The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, we got Nate and Chris in the studio with our tech guru. I went with guru this week, Dave, and Garage Mahal. We're still not feeling great. I should point that out. <laughs> Lingering, you, but we're, you, all right, we're I'm right. fine now. Dave's fine now. You still have a cold. Yeah. You know, young kids have a way of allowing viruses to linger at your house a little bit. So it kind of makes its rounds with a, within the family. So it's yeah, Christ, there's it's that Christian suffering because you're fulfilling <laughs> yeah, your right. obedience to that's the right. Lord. Yeah, I'm the, identifying <laughs> with the suffering of Christ with my cold being fruitful and multiplying and it's costing you, man. Yeah, it's costing, it's costing me. You. Yeah. The, yep. Other yep, than that, how are you doing? For the gospel. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, we're, uh, we're staying busy and a lot of cool things are happening with, uh, with rebel stuff. Uh, we're not quite ready to announce everything yet, but all I'm going to say is keep your eyes fixed on our website and uh, and watch for some special announcements. Uh, some cool things are happening. So I'm excited. I, I like being here. I like recording. I like what we're doing. I like our audience. Life's good. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to confess something to the people who listen now. Our wives didn't think this was going to last. It's true. Um, and the fact that we're well over a year, well over 100 pieces of content out. And I, I, don't, I think we both said this. We feel like we're we're getting stronger in this. It's more it's more exciting to do this every yeah, week. Yeah, for sure. For Feels sure. great, and that's and that's directly linked uh, one to the blessing God has given this ministry and yep. this and this and the fact that we want to give all the glory to Him. But two, also just the, the sheer blessing you guys are to us by yeah. posting on the Facebook, by sharing these things on Facebook, by engaging with us. We've met incredible people through doing this pro- this yeah. podcast, and it's you guys that just continually challenge us help us encourage us that just makes us want to keep coming in and do it and putting this stuff down which is why we're trying to look in into creative way, new ways to get this out into your into your hands big things are coming i don't want to uh, no spoilers they can't see your hand gestures it's terrible radio but yeah we are, we're super excited <laughs> I was so doing the piper things yeah so if you are uh if you're just get, getting to know us uh find out more about us at rebellionsmedia.com uh check out our old podcasts our old videos all that kind of stuff is there uh also check us out on facebook which is probably where we're the most interactive and that is uh, facebook.com slash rebel alliance podcast you can also follow us on twitter which we really appreciate and enjoy people have sent us video clips and stuff through twitter uh, appreciate that uh, so we're just trying to equip you to engage culture with a biblical worldview, and uh, we're so glad you're here and along for the ride. If you've been a part of the Rebel uh, Alliance for a while, if you've been joined the Rebellion for a while, then uh, then we would just say get on that Facebook page and invite your friends to like the Facebook page. Uh, share it onto your platforms. That That's how we grow our audience, by uh, by people that we are degrees of separation 
separated from uh, helping us out. So that's that's what we're doing. We're going to jump into Rebel News. And I have just kind of one piece of Rebel News that I, I thought uh, would uh, might take a little while to chat through. So uh, this is uh, kind of Canadian news, but I think it affects everybody. Um, there was uh, there's a there's a guy named Bill Watcott who uh, calls himself a Christian, uh, who handed out flyers at the Toronto Canada Pride Parade in 2017. So this is last year's Pride uh, Parade. And the pamphlets that he was handing out as he was doing kind of, uh, you know, evangelistic ministry. And I don't know a whole lot about his evangelistic ministry. We know we have friends, Corey McKenna and, and Jeremy Bundy, who, who do this sort of thing. And we agree with the way in which they interact with people. We also know that there's bad ways to do it. You know, many of us would know the name Westboro Baptist Church. They, they do these things poorly. I don't know enough about this guy to either endorse or condemn um, how he was in, in engaging at the uh, gay pride parade, but either way, this story should should frighten us. So um, his the pamphlets he was handing out they uh, they warned against God's judgment against uh, homosexuality. They also warned, and this is I think what he got most in trouble for. They warned against the physical and spiritual dangers of sodomy. So he's using biblical language here, and he's saying true things that the Bible say about it. Uh, there, uh, so there are some LGBT activists who a month after that filed a $104 million class action lawsuit against him. Um, so, uh, and, and some, some, uh, uh, parachurch ministries that are, uh, legal Christian defense ministries came to his defense and that thing's all still tied up. Uh, but what just happened in the last couple of weeks is that the Toronto police have issued a Canada wide warrant for his arrest. Uh, so now, uh, Waycott, uh, turned himself in. This is a 51 year old guy, uh, from, uh, originally, uh, from Alberta, lived in Ontario for a while. He was arrested in Calgary where he turned himself in and returned to Toronto where the warrant was put out for his arrest. Um, but he is being charged with, uh, one count of willful promotion of hatred against an identifiable group, namely the LGBTQ community. So uh, just all, all that to say that this guy has been put up on hate crimes for handing out pamphlets at a gay pride parade that talk about uh, God's, uh, God's um, condemnment of uh, homosexual lifestyle and, for, and that warns against the physical and spiritual dangers of sodomy. And so this guy's up on hate crimes. So I just say that to say that's the climate that we're in right now. That's where we are. That's where we are as a nation. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's coming in the States sooner rather than later as well. Yeah, I find this, I find this very interesting because now, again, I, don't, I, can't, I can't speak of how he did this. I, I've seen some photos of like he had a, a big sign that said, repent and believe the gospel. And then another that said homosexuality is a sin. We both, would agree with both, both of those both things. Both of those things yeah. I'm fine with. Um, now, what I can't speak to is the manner of the pamphlet because I haven't read it, and I can't speak to how he conducted himself there. Um, all I can speak to is basically what I want to speak to is more the idea that where is free speech that he can't he can't right. say these things. And yeah. I, that's right. Again, I, it it's one of those things where everybody can kind of quickly get behind the idea of no free speech when if he was. You know, at a at a African American rally, and he was yelling about white supremacy or something like that. We would all want him silenced. People would generally be easy to endorse that, but when it's going against LGBTQ in Canada now, 
we liken that to a hate crime when all he's actually saying is repent and believe the Bible, which is truth. And I have a problem with the fact that he's getting silenced for saying, for saying this when he's getting silenced from just speaking his opinion, regardless if we believe his opinion or not. And in right. a country that promotes itself, that we're all allowed to be diverse and we're all allowed to be different, um, which is the fundamental practice of the LGBT community's yeah. mandate, right? We're all allowed to be, choose who we want to be, whatever. You're allowed to do that as long as you don't speak against yeah. that diversity. It's back to blasphemy laws, which we've talked exactly. about recently. But and, and so here's the thing, and I want to say this really clearly. I, as Christians, we speak against racism, but you have every right to be a racist. Yeah. Okay. Like, and 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 I I, I want to say that because I think racism is is sinful. I think it's sick. I think it's um, it needs to be eradicated but you are allowed to be racist and I will fight for your right to be racist just as I will fight for somebody's right to be sexist because I believe in freedom. I do not believe in coercion of, uh, to, to make people adhere to specific thoughts or specific beliefs. This is why my Christian faith is committed to evangelism that seeks to help people understand the God, hear the gospel, understand the gospel so that God would grant them repentance rather than, the kind of Christianity that we see, you know, in the Crusades, where it was kind of, uh, we will spread Christianity by force. That's not the the kind of Christianity. Even as post millennials, we get accused often of dominionism, right? That we're going to take dominion either by uh, by political or military means. That's not what post millennialism is. We believe that the gospel expands and the kingdom grows, one individual converted at a time. And so I say all that though, just to say that. Freedom of speech, freedom of, of uh, expression, and freedom of association are important things that we need to fight for because this guy is put up on hate crimes. And even if, and this is why we, we put all those caveats in just so that people don't think if they know more about his how he was conducting himself, we don't want to be promoting something that we would disagree with and we just don't know. But I want to say this, even if he was conducting himself poorly there, that is not a hate crime. Right? He was not he was not inciting violence against homosexuals. He was telling them to repent and believe the gospel. Right. And so mm. even if his manner was uh, was uh, less than desirable, I would still defend his right to do that. So I, I think that's where, where this is is scary and we have to remember and, and we have to try to help people see. And our, our episode last week, self-control, and our episode this week, I think, are, are paramount to how we engage in this topic. But we absolutely need to help people see the inconsistencies of their worldview. So the LGBT agenda is tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. And we would say, if tolerance is real, then it tolerates all views, even opposing views. Now, we have to make sure that we recognize the difference between relativism, pluralism, all that kind of stuff, because not all ideas are equally valid. And that's why I can say I support your right to be a racist, but I don't agree with your racist opinions, right? And yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, not, I'm pointing at you. <laughs> Chris isn't racist, don't worry. But, uh, but that's, that's the point here is that freedom, freedom of speech and freedom of expression is only a thing because people are allowed to hold views that you don't like. Yeah, it's only a thing. that We wouldn't have to protect that right if um, everybody agreed with you. Exactly. Like, and, and just so that everybody gets the frame of reference, there was World, War f World Wars fought for this yes, right. That's right. People's, people died. Yeah. People f went to war to yeah. fight to keep us from being conquered by Nazi Germany. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like, 
let's tie everything back to this one time. But let's remember this was a fundamental thing: the the right to be free. Yeah. And and the idea in this in this country in the United States, the right to be free in in Britain. Now we're we're reverting a lot of those things. Absolutely. That people are that our forefathers fought to protect and fought and died to protect. Yeah. And it's, I think it's just one of those things when we when you start to think of it that way, even if it's something we don't agree with, they have the right to say it. Right. Now we have the right to argue it and we have the refute right to it. exactly refute it and yeah. and equally fight back. But the right, the right, the important thing is the right to be able to say it. Yeah. And I think, uh, again, just so we're, we're connecting dots for people, that's part of what we do this podcast for. Remember that this is all rooted back to uh, an unbiblical worldview, right? When you have a worldview that says we've all evolved and we are getting more and more enlightened, then the point is, is that they, they believe that while well, we fought for freedom of expression back then, but now we know what kind of speech is and isn't good for a enlightened society, right? And so they, so we are moving towards a, a place like there's now compelled speech in Canada. There is B, uh, Sil, Bill C one sixteen compels us to use the pronouns that uh, the preferred pronouns of individuals, and so there's now compelled speech in Canada. How long before we go? And and one of the one of the ways that the government got that passed is by essentially saying in our day and age in 2018 with where we are as a society we recognize that it is paramount for so they say all these things why because they're standing on an evolutionary worldview that says that we've evolved and they believe we've evolved to the place where we are past nazi germany Nazi Germany was wrong in compelling speech and, and uh, pushing uh, uh, unification of thought, but we aren't because we are more evolved. We are more enlightened, and so we can do that. And I wholeheartedly believe that Justin Trudeau is, uh, thinks that he's doing the right thing because he stands on an unbiblical evolutionary worldview and he thinks that he's enlightened to the place where he's woke and he needs to woke all of us. He needs to woke up all of us. Yeah, he needs to woke up all of us. And like we've said before, he's, he's post-mill. He believes that his, this agenda is going to win out and so he's going to make sure that there's legislation and laws in place that will help it win out. Yeah, exactly. So as Christians, we need to fight for freedom of speech even when that means that we are fighting for people's right to uh, hate on us and uh, express uh, counter ideas. Um, here's the thing. If you actually believe that Christianity is true and real, then in a true free society, the trueness of Christianity will come to the surface, right? So er if every other worldview is wrong, then it will be proven wrong. And we not to say that, you know, it's absolutely true that the unregenerate can't see straight. They're suppressing the truth. All of those kinds of things are absolutely true. But Christian, the Christian worldview will not be refuted because it's true. And so people ask tough questions, but in a, in a society where there is true freedom of thought, Christianity will hold true because it is true. And we have to trust it enough to do that. Amen. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. We're going to piggyback off last week's uh, episode and we're going to talk about how to engage culture with joy.
Welcome back. Uh, Rebel Alliance Media bringing to you a kind of part two, I guess, of uh, this series, the little mini series that we're doing on the fruit of the spirit. Uh, we're here, we exist to equip Christians to engage culture with a biblical worldview. And we think that the fruit of the spirit are absolutely vital in helping us engage culture fruitfully. And so I just want to read the, the same one that I, uh, same verses that I read last week, uh, starting in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So we're just looking at a couple of these. We won't go through all of them, but we're going to talk about a couple of these. And today what we want to talk about is joy. And <laughs> here's the thing, uh, joy is an absolutely vital part. It's not an option. Joy is part of the Christian life. And so I just want to take a moment just to get anybody who's still listening. <laughs> I imagine that in our reformed community, <laughs> seeing joy in the title, some people might not even be listening to this, but I just want to speak directly to us. So we would say that us and generally most of our listeners are in that whole reformed evangelical camp, right? Hmm. We're the people who follow the Babylon Bee. We're the people who read Desiring God. We're the people, you know, this is our camp. These are our people. And I think in our camp, I don't think we're known for joy. No, there's everybody knows Grumpy Calvinist. Yeah, and like cage stage is a thing, right? I don't know if you've seen Les Lampfear's uh, um, uh, Calvinist video, uh, but that cage stage is a thing. We we're, we're viewed as the the heresy hunters, right? Pulpit and pen, like these kinds of ministries. This is us. We're the grumpy people who aren't allowing anybody to have fun in church, <laughs> and uh, and so we we we're bad at joy. We're bad at joy. Would you agree? Oh, t- totally. I, yeah. Um, the, like, how do I even say? Joy's almost looked down on as a negative thing. We all know that. Like, we look <laughs> at we look at those Christians who are just happy all the time. A lot of the times, and I say this like in a gen- generalization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Christian who's happy all the time, we we naturally equate in our circles in the reform circle as the unmature Christian. You know what I mean? The ones who are thinking deep all the time about doctrines and their and their wrath and their ra- and their wretchedness. <laughs> All good things to be yeah. thinking about, um, but who dwell on that and who get the grumpy, I'm not putting my hands up in church to sing. I'm not going to sing at all. I'm not going to do any of those things. We look at them as, oh, they're the, they're the mature ones. They've right. they've moved past this children-like <laughs> stage where when the Bible tells us to have joy. And I think John Piper is big in joy. Yeah. And the idea of this like joy in what we've been forgiven, joy in what we will inherit, joy in what we already have inherited. And the fact that there's no such thing as somebody who gets let out of jail and is stoic about it. Right. Like, it's like, yeah, you know The Eeyore. Well, I guess I I get to spend my tonight in my own bed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was an amazing impression. It was better in real life. But that that, that, that analogy, that idea, like nobody is like that when they've been set free. Yes, that's right. for some bizarre reason, the reformed people who have, in my opinion, the better understanding of of Scripture, 
seem to have ignored that one part of it. Yeah. And like the Bible says so much about this, right? Like Romans 15 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And uh, uh, Romans 12 says, rejoice in hope. And uh, Philippians 4 verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Um, uh, Proverbs 17 says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. It, like this is throughout scripture, the, the command to rejoice, the, the, the command to have joy. Um, the fact that in, uh, in John chapter 16, uh, Jesus is saying, he says, so also you have sorrow now, but you will, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. He, he talks about uh, being uh, in John 16 elsewhere. A few verses later, he says, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So clearly the Bible has an overwhelming message that we ought to be men and women of joy. Like joy ought to be something that people see in us. Yeah, it's the reason they, they the Bible describes it as leaping for joy, shouting for joy. Um, that's in that's in Psalms 30, 32, but one verse it says that Luke six says leap for joy. Yeah, like that's it's not an optional thing when you're in Christ. It's joy is tied directly to that, right? It's absolutely. Um, it's something that we're we're called and commanded to do, right? Which also means then that it's possible to live that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was uh, John Owen who said, "Joy is the essential and is essential in the Christian life." Scriptures are clear that God's people are both commanded to rejoice and characterized by their rejoicing. It's, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's part of our it's part of our Christian life. It's it's absolutely vital. Now, so there's there's two errors we often talk about falling off on the ditch on either side, right? So I think one of the errors that we do as as Christians is we say number one we equate just joy with happiness. So this means that we just have to be happy all the time. And you think of that Pharrell song, right? I'm happy. Is that, is that Pharrell? Because I'm happy. Clap yeah. Along. Yeah. That's yeah that. So we think of like just joy as happiness. And so then when we're going through trials and tribulations, which Jesus promises us is going to happen, we think that joy is somehow you know man. Uh, manufacturing some sort of outward happiness while we're inwardly suffering. And that's, and that's not the picture of joy. Um, the other ditch that we fall off on is this, this uh, belief that, well, jo- I have, what's jo- <laughs> that song? I got the joy, 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 joy down, down in my heart. Right? Very <laughs> far down yeah. in my heart. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, I have joy, but it's so far down in my heart, it never manifests itself into a smile. I may let it out in my prayer closet alone. Yeah, yeah maybe, once while. maybe. I, s- I smiled once. Yeah, I smiled. <laughs> 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 there's there's that funny meme uh i think the i think the babylon Bee put it out and it was uh it was like uh said something about how uh john macarthur and it had a picture of like john macarthur preaching on joy and it just has that like stern <laughs> like stoic face of his and it's just like john macarthur preaching on joy and and like so we can fall off the ditch on either side here right we can fall off the ditch by saying my joy is so far down that you can't see it right or we can fall off the ditch on saying that joy means this sort of giddy happiness that is is in direct contrast to the circumstances in our lives. And I wouldn't say that's joy in either way. I think the no, Bible... One, one's fake and then one's not joy at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that the... Uh, I think joy is... Uh, we, 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 ha- we have to make sure that we... Um, make sure that we know what biblical joy is and what biblical joy 
isn't. So biblical joy, number one, it, it isn't just a good feeling, right? It's not, it's not just uh, feeling good about something, but it's something um, deep down in the soul. Uh, it's something that uh, is absolutely vital in the Christian life. And here's how John Piper describes it. Christian joy is the understanding of goodness deep down in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world, uh, in the word and in the world, sorry. So Christian joy is, is that goodness deep down in our souls produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. So, so it is deep down, right? I got the joy, uh, joy, joy, joy down in my heart. But it's as we see it in the world around us and in the word, that goodness that's deep down in our souls manifests itself. It comes out. And I think that this is where, you know, the Philippians 4 verse where about uh, rejoicing in the Lord always. And I, again, I say rejoice. It, it shows us. And, and, and the truth is... Just because uh, we might not always look happy in the midst of suffering, we are commanded to rejoice in the midst of suffering. So it has nothing to do with circumstances. It has nothing to do with how we feel. It has everything to do with what Christ has done for us and produced in our hearts and, and clinging to that above all things. Yeah, exa- exactly. There's a reason in James it says, consider it all joy. When you go through trials, yeah. um, the idea the isn't... isn't consider it happiness when you go through trials. It's joy, right? The idea like you can be completely content and delight in God while you're walking through difficult circumstances. And that's the difference, I think, between joy and happiness. Happiness is the false, the false, the out, outpouring emotion, whereas joy is is what's in your heart in those situations. Yep. Um, in, in terms of we start thinking about this, why this help, why this matters to engage the culture, the world doesn't know how to suffer. The world has yep. lost what it what it means to suffer. We, especially, I, I'm going to speak directly to the Western world here because I can't speak to people who live a totally different life than what we listen have or what our listeners likely have. Western culture is very much used to getting what we want. Generally, we're going to live safe. We're going to have our needs most for the for the most part provided for us, or we'll be able to attain them, and we can get. Those those basic things, which makes us which makes us fundamentally entitled to those things. The one difference, the one thing that's universal to everybody, though, is death. We will all suffer that, and so on the Christian side, we can look at that as not the end. It has no sting, and we can take joy from the fact that that doesn't have a sting for us. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the world looks at that as the end, and so therefore it's they don't know how to deal when that time comes. And the reason I bring I bring that up is because when you Start to think of how, how your joy, not again, not fake happiness, how your joy, how you live your life joyfully in the Lord, how you delight in God, how you see the world and God's glory as your supreme manifestation of your life. What it's for is to love God fully. When you start to see that you walk and you live in a different, in a manner that's different and people see that, um, we, we had a, a close relative who went through very difficult circumstances and passed away. The way they walked through that, though, inspired the nurses, inspired doctors, inspired the family around to radically change the lives to live for the gospel because they see 
one that this person believes really believes what they what they say they believe they see the fruit of the spirit this this fruit of the spirit joy upset at the circumstances but content in the in the knowledge and the glory of god yep. to walk through this with their with right and proper assurance in their salvation right proper assurance of who they are in the lord and it changes people because people in our culture don't know how to react to that that's and right you can do this in many different different ways. That was just one example on one way that joy affects our culture. Right. Well, and I think, so I think what you're alluding to there and what you, I, I think all that's exactly right. And I think that the, the order here is what's fundamentally different between Christian joy and worldly happiness is that the world would say, arrange the circumstances in your life in such a way as to make you happy. And the Christian life says, what God has done for you has wrought such joy in your heart that you find joy in all the circumstances that he gives you, good and bad, right? So there's a, there's a difference there. The joy comes first and the joy influences how we meet and how we respond to and how we live in the circumstances of our lives. Whereas the world would say, as I interact with the circumstances in my life, I, I need to make sure that, and this is why you hear, why I have to do what's best for me. I have to follow my heart. Why? Because the paramount thing that they're chasing is happiness. They're looking for happiness. And if someone or some relationship, you know, I was watching, so guilty pleasure, the one thing I watch on cable is Survivor. I still still love the show Survivor. I still watch it. Don't worry. Sanctification is a process. I I want all our listeners who also watch Survivor to comment on the comment section because I bet there's more of us than we think. But uh, and one of the people uh, who's on last season's uh, last episode season spoilers. Yeah, they were they were kind of uh, they were kind of put up as a hero. You know, in the first couple episodes, they always talk about these people's stories. And this person was kind of put up as a hero. And she talked about how her marriage wasn't making her happy and her family wasn't making her happy. Mm-hmm. And so she left her husband. She, she, she says, I made the difficult decision to do what was right for me and to leave my husband, leave my family and make it on my, and, and basically like reinvent myself and, and find myself. And so what they've done is they've spun her pursuit of happiness in such a way that it made her leaving, abandoning her husband and abandoning her children as a good thing. Why? Because she's just trying to do what's going to make her happy, right? Whereas the Christian worldview would say God gives joy to us. And so even in the midst of difficult marriages, even in the midst of of, uh, family life that sometimes feels suffocating, God gives you joy to get through those things because ultimately he's your joy, not how your husband treats you or how your, how your kids respect you or, or whatever the case may be. So it, it's just, it, it color, it's, it's, it's a, it's a carton horse situation here. And, and Christians are given joy by God because what, because of what God has done for you. And it influences how we interact with all our circumstances as opposed to seeking circumstances that will produce happiness in us. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's important because it's, circumstances can change instantly drastically like yeah. we we don't have to give examples because everybody knows that you can wake up one day think the day is going to go one way and it's going to be completely different and in a lot of to- a lot of ways your life can be completely changed permanently by the next day and obviously we naturally always think the worst case scenarios but it could be a job loss it could be any of these little things that you can't control and if your joy is tied to circumstances or to the things you have, to the state of the environment around you, 
that's fleeting because those things can all be taken away instantly. When, when you put your joy in the cornerstone, in the rock that is Christ, no one can take that away from you because as, as it says in John 17, those who he, who he holds in his hand cannot be removed from him, which means we have eternal joy. We have eternal security and nothing that anything, anyone can do to us or can ever separate us from that, which means, well, fundamentally means there's nothing that anyone can do to us that can actually remove that joy from us. Right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Um, I think that, uh, uh, one, so we'll, we'll get into, uh, actually let, yeah, let's, let's maybe, uh, keep talking a little bit about why it's important in specifically in engaging the culture. So as Christians, we have the greatest, news the world has ever known right like like since adam and eve sinned and god is cursing adam eve the serpent the land everything he gives this promise that one day i'm going to send someone who's going to crush the head of the snake someday i'm going to send someone who's going to set things right the message of jesus is that god made good on that promise Jesus was sent into the world to reverse the curse and to bring us back into relationship with God. And that through his death and resurrection, we can live in newness of life if we put faith in him. Like that's the, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that news is the greatest news that has ever been proclaimed in the history of the world. That's what we believe as Christians. And so if our lives are not full of joy, if, our, if, our, if we are curmudgeonly, <laughs> right? If, if we are scowling if we don't smile to people if we don't interact with people if we don't belly laugh right then we are not enjoying life like people who have a message of hope we, we just aren't exactly. and so we have to be people who display joy the joy of the lord we have to be there's a there's a great book and i'll, I'll, I'll link this in the show notes i would recommend it to everybody it's a it's the book is called joy for the world uh, and then the, the kind of uh, subtext is how Christianity lost its cultural influence, influence and can begin to rebuild it. The book's by Greg Forster, um, and uh, it's the forward in it is by Tim Keller. And, uh, and basically he's talking about how it's, it's the joy in, the joy in the gospel that is what we've lost as Christians. There, there's always been a remnant who will who will hold to the the true Christian gospel. It, it's been distorted in our nation. We know that. We talked a couple weeks ago about how people in our own backyard are distorting the gospel. Um, but he says there's always going to be a remnant who are faithful to to the gospel. He says, but what we've lost, and the reason we've lost our cultural influence, is because we've lost joy in that gospel. Mm. We, we, it doesn't produce joy in us anymore. And so he says we need to get it back. And he kind of goes through the song, joy to the world, which is my favorite, probably my favorite song, but certainly my favorite Christmas carol, uh, written by, uh, Isaac Watts. Um, and, uh, it's the most published Christian or the most published Christmas carol song ever. Um, and, uh, it's, I mean, so when you just think of the, the lyrics to this, I'm just going to read some of them, right? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields 
and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. So you look at those lyrics, and if we believe those lyrics, right? So that song, the most sung Christmas carol in the history of the world, is saying that joy has come into the world and the joy is tied to the Lord's coming into the world, that earth has now has a king to receive and every heart has the opportunity to, to make room. You, just, you look at that and you just say, so not only should we find joy in the individualism of God saving me, right? You, listener, you arbitrary listener who's listening to my voice right now, you know what a wretch you were, right? You know how, how sinful your heart is. This is why Paul could call himself the chief of sinners. We all know how selfish we are, how self-centered we are, how undeserving of God's grace we are. But because God has saved us, that should produce in us such an immense joy. And let me just say for, I think most of our listeners, I, I commend anyone who continues to listen to us who isn't reformed in their soteriology, who aren't <laughs> Calvinistic. But let me talk directly to you because I know most of our listeners are Calvinistic in their, in their understanding of the gospel. Let me just say that that should produce more joy in you. That, that God chose you before the foundation of the world, not because of anything that you've done, anything that you've deserved, you, you didn't even make a choice. You were incapable of making that choice. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, and God breathed life into a dead corpse. If that doesn't make you joyful, if that, if that doesn't make you smile, if that doesn't make you engage the world around us, and, and, and are you serious? Are you serious that gas going up 10 cents is going to ruin your day? You've been saved by grace, right? And I'm not trying to downplay all the things that, that make us unhappy, but what I'm saying is that in all the circumstances, something as small as ten as uh, gas going up 10 cents and something as serious as the diagnosis being cancer, right? And everything in between does not change the fact that before the foundation of the world, God chose you to bestow his love on. To, God chose you to spend eternity with him. God chose to reconcile you to himself by giving up what was most precious to him. That's the bedrock. That's, that's yeah. where joy comes from. And then, so it's not just the individualistic, but it, it talk, uh, the Joy to the World song says, um, Joy to the World, the Savior reigns, right? And, and it goes on about, uh, he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. I love Joy to the World because when we sing it at Christmas, everybody's post-mill and everybody's Calvinistic. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I love my favorite line in the whole song is nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. But a close second is this one. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories. So who rules the world? Who rules the nations? Not Satan, not darkness, but God rules the world with truth and grace. And he makes the nations prove that talking about his sovereignty in the good and the bad and the ugly. He makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. So hit the circumstances of history will work themselves out in such a way that they will prove that God is righteous and he is loving. That's, that's amazing news. So it's not just the individualistic salvation, but also the fact that God sovereignly rules history and is moving it in a direction where he will be glorified and it will work out for our good. That's the foundation of our, our joy. That's it. If those two things don't make us joy, then we don't understand it properly. Exactly. So 
with that. But one, I want to point out that Joy to the World is a song that is wrongly put into the Christmas only category. It should be Amen. Sung. Preach I, it. <laughs> I think it should be sung year round. We do at our, our yeah, at our do. church. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, we do everything right. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it, it, it because, <laughs> Don't come visit us to find out. <laughs> <laughs> but because the, the lyrics are, are so one truthful and two yeah. wonderful. Um, that was just a side note about worship and joy to the world. Um, one, th- one thing I just want to say about, about joy is that this is again, all the fruits of the spirit is something that gets cultivated in us. Yeah. So just like we did last week, well, how do you culti- cultivate joy, especially coming from a reform perspective where joy isn't a natural or isn't, it isn't doesn't something seem to be, prone it, it to should be, but it, exactly. Yeah. How do, how do you, how do you, how do you cultivate it? joy? I, I would say there's a couple of quick ways. One is you, you articulated the gospel. I thought brilliantly there, preach it to yourself daily. Amen. Wake up every single day and remember who you were and who you are in yep. Christ. Amen. Remember that you were dead. And before you had done a thing, before the foundation of this world was laid, Jesus, God, the father and the, and the Holy spirit deemed it worthy for yep. you to be called to, for to live for his glory. Yeah. Remember that and, rem- and and preach that to yourself daily. And you can't help but live in a way with joy in you. It's simply, there's a reason There's a reason all through the New Testament and all through the Old Testament we're, we're told to remember what God has done and in the New Testament to rejoice always in the Lord. Right. Why? Because we, we are still living on this side of glorification. We still need to remember what God has done for us and to rejoice. So practice that. Rejoice in what God has done for you. Go over your testimony every single day. Yep. Remember who you who you were and what Christ has done. Think on what God has done in your life. Good things and bad things. Because I I bet if you start thinking now, I'm 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 speaking hopefully truthfully to everybody, but if you think on times in your life when you thought it was dark and you looked at things that were going badly and look at how God has used that circumstance in your life. Rejoice for what God has done and the mm-hmm. fruit he's produced in you, because hopefully you are more like Christ tomorrow and today than you were two weeks ago, a year ago, six months ago. That's right. And rejoice in that. Rejoice in what God has, God has done in your life. And thirdly, talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, be, be joyful. You know what I mean? I think, that, I think that's, I think we get theologically a lot of times joy, but we don't get joyful. We don't get the idea of living that out. Yeah. What does that mean? It means when circumstances hit, you you are, like we said last week, you're self-controlled in it and you recognize that it's for a purpose and you celebrate it. You rejoice in it. That's what that word means. You celebrate the circumstances. You celebrate that God has brought you to this place and will bring you through it. Yeah. Um, we, people often misquote verses when they talk about, oh, fight your fight your Goliath, fight your David. The Lord will walk you through the, the Red Sea yourself. <laughs> Not specifically, but yes, in in a way he will. He'll he'll walk you through those difficult times. Who knows what that will look like? It might end up being you get stoned to death like Stephen, or you might get whipped like Paul and live. But but in both of those situations, they rejoiced they rejoiced in what God has done because they know, because they fundamentally, and this is the point of this last point, is that they fundamentally recognize who is important, and that's Christ. Who is in control, and that's Christ, and who the King is, and that's Christ. Yeah. And when you when you center yourself, we talked about centering your life earlier. When you center yourself on Christ, you can't. Doesn't matter what happens because our lives aren't ours anymore. We were dead, and now we're alive in Him, and He lives in us. Yeah. And I think I think what you touched on there is just so uh, necessary. Is how rooted 
our joy is in God's sovereignty, mm. right? So typically the thing that robs us of joy is circumstances that we can't control that are other than the way that we would like them to be. But the recognition that God is sovereign, right? The recognition that all things happen because of his divine will means that everything is for his glory and for our good. So we, we can't let it rob our joy because ultimately it's, it's for our joy. And Psalm 139 says that um, every day of our lives was written down in God's book before any of them had come to pass. And so you think about that. God wrote a story and we're living in the midst of that story. And he wrote everything about you what you look like, where you were born, who your parents were, where you work, every single detail of that story was written down before one of them came to pass. And that story is about God's glory and your good and how those two things will converge when history comes to an end. And that's an amazing reality. And so that's how we make sure that circumstances don't rob us or steal our joy from us. And I think that um, if I could leave our listeners with any anything, it would just be that we need to be viewed. There are people dying all around us who are dying separated from Christ, separated from the joy of the Lord, pursuing happiness in all the wrong places. And if we know anything, if history has taught us anything in, in our culture, in our world, it's that everything that people pursue to make them happy outside of God turns to ashes in their hands. This is why celebrities commit suicide at a higher rate non-celebrities. This is why people who are rich commit suicide at a higher rate than those who aren't rich. There, there's, there's a reason who some of the people who seem to have everything going on in the world um, descend into drug abuse and, and perverse sexual um, things. There's a reason because everything that they've obtained that they thought was going to make them happy would not make them happy, turn to ashes in their hands. Mm-hmm. It's a chasing after the wind, as Ecclesiastes says. Because joy was always meant to be the joy of the Lord put in us by the Holy Spirit. So as we look at the world around us and watch all these people chasing after all the wrong things, dying in the midst of it, we must not only bring them the message that is their only hope, but we have to look to them like we actually find joy in this message. We can't look like those curmudgeonly Christians <laughs> who are just fighting and raging against everything. And here's my, here's my, honestly, here's my fear, guys. My fear is that Christians are known as the people who get up in arms when Disney puts a gay character in their movies. Christians are the people who get up in arms when a Supreme Court decision goes through. People, Christians are the people. So all we're ever known for is that we're raging against whatever the most recent thing is. Yeah. I think Doug Wilson once said that we've played defense so long and so poorly that if we ever recover a fumble, we don't know what to do with it, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we, we live in this, in this cultural climate where we are reacting to everything, which is why last week we talked about self-control and this week we talk about joy. We have to live our lives joyfully. Take joy in your children. Take joy in your spouse. Take joy in your work. Do it all unto God. Laugh enjoy food, break bread together, be social, get to know your neighbors. This is the kind of life that God calls us to live because we ought to. And here's the thing. We ought to enjoy food more than non-Christians. We ought to enjoy sunsets more than non-Christians. We ought to enjoy nature more than non-Christians. We ought to enjoy human fellowship more than non-Christians. 
And I think too often Christians are so joyless in these things. We look at uh, human interaction as a responsibility. We look at food as something that we ought to be wary of because the Bible tells us not to be gluttonous, you know, all these things. No, no. God gave us restrictions, but within those restrictions, he told us to go and enjoy. This is, this is be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it have dominion over it. That means early on, one of the mandates to Adam and Eve was go explore the world and find the berries that are most delicious, right? Find the fruit that's most delicious. Figure out what it looks like to kill animals and eat them (laughs) because steak is delicious and you're going to like it more than chicken, but try chicken and try the spices and the herbs that I've, I've put down. This is all good stuff. But Christians, we ought to be able to look at the good things God has given to us and recognize that they were given to us by a creator who designed them in such a way as to bring us joy. And so we enjoy, I brew beer in my basement. And I only bring this up because I had a small group at my house uh, last Monday and, and one of the guys in my small group brought his own beer. And he brought his own beer and, and <laughs> I'll be honest, a part of me was slightly offended. I'm just like, dude, why are you bringing your own beer? You know, I have plenty of beer. And he's like, I I drink your beer every single week and I feel bad about it. So I was just like, oh, well, fair enough, but don't ever feel bad about it. And it it made me afterwards send out uh, an email to my small group that just said, one of the reasons I brew beer in my basement is so that I can be generous with it. I don't have the means to buy beer for you every single week, but I can make it in my basement so I can, I can give it to you. Now, there's going to be Christians out there who are saying, he's telling us to go and drink to be happy. No, what, I, what I'm saying is that this is one small thing that sharing in this with other people brings me a great deal of joy. Not because I'm taking joy in the thing that God has given to us, but because I recognize that God has given us something to be enjoyed. And we can sit around and we can enjoy drink and food. This is why um, Ecclesiastes says, go and uh, go and eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already accepted your works. What a, what a beautiful passage of scripture. God has justified you because of what Christ has done. You don't have to earn God's favor. Go find bread and wine to enjoy with people. That's, that's that, what that verse is all about. And so we are to enjoy the things that God has given to us, sunsets and beaches and, and people and relationships and all those kinds of things. God has written them into the story for us to enjoy so that we can take the good things that we're experiencing there and show people that God, the creator, made them for us to enjoy and have fullness of joy. We need to come back into a relationship with him. So be joyful. Amen. That was wonderful. I got onto a bit of a rant there, but there it is. Be joyful. I like when you rant, though. It makes me happy. <laughs> if, you, if you like hearing Pastor Nate right? <laughs> rant, feel free to like us and share us on Facebook and listen to past episodes because we have lots more P&A rants about mostly beer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Nah. Uh, I'm just teasing. Um, but no, we again, if you if you like what you heard, we're back every single Wednesday. Um, check us out on the website, which is rebelalliancemedia.com. Like us, share us on Facebook. And, you know, we also put out videos every Friday. Share those on your Facebook page and tag us if you need us to check in and help us. Uh, Hope you get into those debates that I'm sure they'll raise. We love doing that stuff. And again, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.